Welcome to the Doc's Point of View podcast. If you forgot, my name is Trey. I'm your host. And today, I'm going to tell you a sea story. But before we get into that, just want to catch you up on some things. It's been a long couple months. I haven't really recorded much, but I had a couple interviews here and there. I've been trying to do some solo type stuff, but never really landed on anything. But I figured I'd give you a sea story nonetheless. Also, I passed my Command Information Program Review, or a SIPR, which is just an inspection to make sure I'm doing my job correctly. Uh, I did better than I thought I did, so I'm on a high note. Also, a bunch of family stuff going on, got orders, uh, and good luck, you're not going to find out where I'm going. Uh, um, it's a pretty cool place, I'm staying with the Marine Corps, so I'm pretty happy about that. And the job that I will be doing looks like a pretty cool job. You ever been walking through the Navy Exchange and wonder why all the Naval Pride and Heritage gear is horrifically ugly and you wouldn't actually wear it? Have you ever wanted some really cool gear and you just don't know where to go? Well, I got you, fam. Go to dgutsapparel.com immediately. Get yourself some Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. Uh, we're working on new designs all the time, open to ideas. We're trying to create a brand that uh, lets you display that pride, but doesn't make you cringe. Uh, also, if you're willing to and you're able to, please go to patreon.com slash podcast, pick one of the five tiers, and become a patron today. So, let's go ahead and get into it. Okay, so I can't really call it a sea story. What's called a lesson learned, or Corman don't really go out to sea that as much as other rates, so we're very land-based. But I was the ALPO of a department a few years back, the same one I talk about often. I had this, I had the sailor, younger guy still, but he had civilian work before he joined the military. He joined, you know, early twenties or whatever. But hey. If you graduate college 18 and you go work into a retailer workplace as he did and you do a few years there, you can put in, if you put in the work and do the right things, you work your way up just like we do in the Navy. So that's what he did. He he went to the retail business. I don't really remember what it was, but he ended up working his way up to a department manager. Now, when I hear department manager, I hear Work center supervisor, ALPO, LPO, whatever you want to call it, depending on the type of job, how many people, whatever. But it's nothing terribly different than what we do as low-level, middle-level managers. So he did a few years, and then he made some decision to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to join the military. So he joined the military. The problem was he thought that that experience was going to tangibly give him something when he came in and hit the deck of his first uh, assignment. So he came in with a little bit of a, I'm better than everybody, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, a little bit of, hey, I'm, you know, I've been around the block and you haven't, even though he was the fresh guy in the department and all the people that were working there are seasoned, were seasoned in that department and knew how that place worked. So they were subject matter experts to him, 
but also they were just qualified corpsmen in that workspace. So who's higher up the totem pole? If you want to even get into the weeds of like that, well, obviously it wasn't him, but he thought he thought he was going to get treated better. We'll say that. I didn't care who you were. I didn't care what your background was. No one really does. No one really cares what you did prior, unless you bring it to the table in a positive manner and approach it the correct way, which he didn't. He he came he came with a negative connotation with his experience, which made his whole first year or so at my department not so fun. And it was only his fault. The only reason he had a rough time was because he put himself in bad situations and didn't listen to what we had to say, even though we were trying to help the guy. Because fast forwarding a little bit, he he became fully qualified in our workspace and he was one of the best corpsmen I had. But he did not like, which was a fundamental flaw in him, a character flaw, uh, that he needed to course correct as the term I, which is where I first learned that term in this phase of my career. He didn't like being told what to do. But, <laughs> uh, you know, when I joined, you you did what you are told, you didn't ask questions, and I know that's not the, that's not the norm nowadays, you know, people still do what they're told without question, but there's also some people that need explanation. And in certain circumstances, I believe that's warranted. And if, as a leader, if you can't give someone an explanation of why you're telling them to do something, then you're probably telling them to do something that's not necessary. Or you're power tripping. Or you're letting the authority go to your head. It's very easy to get there. It's, I mean, if you want to be vulnerable, it's very easy to let control, authority, position, whatever, leadership, whatever it is, get the best of you and you can use it for bad purposes. Well, one day he shows up to work and I notice he has a bad haircut. And I know no one wants to get told to go get a haircut. And I know no one likes the person that tells people, go get a haircut. But at the time, I was freshly put into a position where I was feeling out what kind of leader I wanted to be, where my line was, and all this stuff. And I think you have to kind of do that when you get put into a position where people answer to you. Even as a low-level manager, you know, you still have to tell people what to do, and they need to be able to go do it. And the military comes with a bunch of parameters that we're supposed to live within, Hair regs is one of them, and I was testing the waters of where do I draw the line of people coming in with questionable hair regulations. I don't like to be that person nowadays, but you kind of have to feel it out for yourself at some point. So at this time in the day, or at this time in my career, I was, again, have a sharp haircut because I did the same thing, and I thought that was the... I, I, you know, my first few years, that was, that was the norm. Get a haircut routinely, look sharp, wear patient care. The patients legit will judge you on the way you look and present yourself. And that's the way I look at it now. You know, the military has a, a rule, like, you know, have a nice haircut, wear your uniform proudly, wear it in good fashion, you know. But from a medical perspective, having a clean uniform and a fresh shave and a good haircut goes a long way with patients and how they perceive us. 
because we have to be professional. If we're not professional in every aspect, maybe they won't trust us. There's a lot of things that can go wrong when you're not performing within the written parameters. So he had a jacked up haircut. And when I say jacked up, I mean, he just hadn't had a haircut in about a month. And how did I let that go that long? I don't know. It happens. I tell him to go get a haircut. And he comes back the next day, no haircut. So I was like, okay, well, so here's the situation. I tell someone to do something, they don't do it. All right, um, what am I doing wrong? What's, why are, why are my employees or sailors or it doesn't matter what um, situation we're in or the way we look at this this is just management whatever why are why are the people not listening to me why aren't they doing what I'm telling them to do well maybe they don't trust what I say maybe they don't give a crap about what I say maybe they don't like being told what to do I'm gonna go with the third one uh, for this guy everybody's different so then I bring in my first class because I was second class at the time. I bring my first class. Hey, I don't want to get a haircut. He didn't get it. All right, what am I supposed to do? This, you know, usually people listen to what we tell them, and they do it. Uh, this is one of the first times where it didn't happen. So we bring him in and say, "Hey, you're gonna go get a haircut today, or you know, you get a counseling chair or whatever written down on paper, and we'll just keep going from there." Simple. This is just we're just being formal or being formal at this point. There's no emotion in this. Uh, except for on his end, he, you know, he, we could tell he had a chip on his shoulder. He's getting flustered and mad, and for whatever reason, and he always liked to bring up the fact that, you know, I was a department manager. I know how to, I know how to, you know, run a place and all this stuff. <laughs> I was like, I mean, we don't, we don't care. I, I mean, I don't care what your background is, because obviously, whatever you learned from the civilian side is not translating to the military side very well at this moment. So. He comes in the next day and he has a jacked up haircut. And this time when I mean jacked up, I mean, it looks like his buddy uh, cut his hair blindfolded and it looked pretty bad. And now we have a sailor who's doing patient care in front of, you know, families and, and, and patients and whatever. And he looks terrible. He looks unprofessional. And he's flustered and, you know, he's, he doesn't like the fact that we're getting, we're nitpicking um, in quotation marks. We're nitpicking little things like the hair. Well, yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of things go wrong in patient care when the little things don't, when the little things are overlooked. So it's not just about military regulations. It, it, it never is, really. So we bring him in again and said, hey, man, who in the world cut your hair? Because it wasn't the barber. I can tell you that. Uh, I'll, put, I'll put a bunch of money on down that a professional barber did not cut your hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had my, his reply was, yeah, yeah, I had uh I had the barbershop in the barracks cut my hair, which we had a legit barbershop in the barracks where we were. And we're like, all right, cool. We're going to go check. Your name better be on the list because they had a roster of who all got the haircuts because they were free. Which leads me to nobody in this command or definitely, and definitely not this department should have a bad haircut if they're a male living in the barracks. You get free haircuts. Uh, are they the best? Probably not. They're probably not the best because the person who was working there was, you know, learning how to be a barber. But you have to learn somewhere. So we go check. Of course, his name's not on the list. So we bring him back in and say, hey, man, we looked at the list. Your name's not on it. So are you going to tell us the truth at some point or do we need to start making a paper trail and going down that route? Finally, he, you know, owned up to it. All right, 
you know, someone gave me a barracks haircut. And we're like, all right, cool. Tomorrow you'll come in with a fresh haircut. So after like the, what is it? The third, fourth time we tell him to get a haircut and have to bring him in the office. And this is just wasting our time. It's wasting his time. It's it's making our department look bad. He could have just done it from the get-go. He could have just listened and be like, all right, you got me. You know, I should have got a haircut a week or two ago. I'll go get it today. I'll come back tomorrow. It'll be my priority as soon as I leave the working place. I would have let him go. I would have let him go get a haircut during work hours. I don't care. Uh, we were fully staffed at the time. We could have covered down. So that was the end of that. But this guy still had some character flaws. He still wore that chip on his shoulder. Now he's the guy who, you know, had a couple hiccups. And over the smallest thing and the most ridiculous thing uh, as of having a fresh haircut. I don't know why someone wants to die on the heel of a haircut in the military. Like it's 101 when you go to boot camp, they cut your hair. And for as long as you're going to stay in, except for that one time during COVID when we got to let our hair grow, you're going to get a routine haircut. So a few weeks go by, months go by, whatever. We thought this guy was on the up and up. And then something happened in the office and he straight flipped on somebody. Cussed him out in the hallway. And our hallways were open to where, you know, patients were walking by because we were behind the lobby doors. So we had to bring him in and say, hey, hey man, walk us through why we just witnessed you cursing out some another sailor on the floor. And without going into details, it came down to he didn't like how certain people worked and he didn't like the fact that maybe they told him what to do and... He thought he was better than them because, you know, whatever his background was. So then we have to counsel this guy again. And now we're at like second strike, third strike, whatever with this kid. And there was a couple other incidents where he, he, you know, he flipped a switch and had some issues with anger and letting people get the best of him because whatever chip was on his shoulder. Ah, I remember now. I told him to do something, which was another instance. I told him to do something, and he basically told me to screw off in a nicer way than what he said. I basically told him, you're not going to be able to talk to me like that. Um, we will finish this behind closed doors. And I brought my chain of command in it, because this was like second, third, fourth strike by now. And my chief system down in this, like, what they called pre-board, pre-DRB or pre-pre-DRB, whatever they wanted to call it. And myself, my LPO, my director LPO, and my chief are all involved with this. And this kid's sitting in front of us, and we're like, hey, so first, you you don't like to, uh, you know, live by military one-on-one basics, getting haircuts on a routine basis. And two, you want to tell uh, your direct leadership to go screw off because you didn't like what they told them. They didn't like, or you didn't like what he told you to do. Because uh, you thought it was unfair because I, I didn't tell someone else to do that. And that was the main issue with this kid. It always came down to he thought that since he has all this background experience that he should be treated better than the people who just joined him. But he doesn't even know what their background is. So I mean, the kid was just straight up out of line. Uh, he was being ignorant uh, because he was in his own head. 
And we left that meeting, and it was a scare tactic, pretty much a, de- a deterrent, so that kid would not keep doing this. And that's where I learned the f- first time I ever heard a chief go, you need a course correct, or we'll, you know, we'll go to DRB, we'll go further with this. So this kid had a pretty thick, you know, this is, we, we're like at least two or three counseling shits in, but it's one kid. And I mean, I'm, I'm, my LPO and I are just wasting so many man hours on trying to figure out how to deal with this. So fast forward some more, uh, he did something similar and then we were like, all right, cool, dude. Uh, you've, you straight up don't get it. At this point, you're almost failure to adapt in the most practical sense of like, he's literally not adapting well to military. Now we weren't trying to do anything about that. We were just trying to make this kid a functional person of the workspace without drama. And boy, did this department teach me a lot about drama in the workplace. Hostility, toxicity uh, between uh, personnel, uh, between different ranks, between different, you know, officer enlisted. There's all kinds of stuff in this department where I learned a lot uh, on my first go as leadership. So we decided to take this guy to a fake DRP. Never heard of it. But they were like, hey, we're going to, sh- the chiefs, a few chiefs, were like, hey, we're going to show you guys, we're, we're going to give this guy a pre-DRB. And that's why I said pre-pre uh, before. I don't even know what they call it. This was like a behind the closed doors. Um, it was basically just a verbal counseling with a bunch of chiefs. So in this closed door meeting, um, I saw one of the best examples of breaking a, a person down the correct way. And then build them back up, all in one meeting. We had like two or three chiefs in the room. Me, or my LPO and I were sitting on the, we flies on the wall just watching it so that we could see how this was done. And it was a learning experience for us. And there was one female chief in there, no warfare pin. On the surface, people probably judge that person like, how did you make chief though, being warfare qualified? Definitely as a corpsman. But she was the one that broke this guy down treated him like a human being, but made him feel like his actions were terrible. But she talked to him normal. There's no screaming. There's no yelling. This chief literally talked to him and told him, hey, your actions are poor at best. And I can't remember everything she said, but she basically t- made this guy feel like a piece of crap. Let's say that. In, in, in the most uh, professional way possible, like she did it the correct way where he actually, he finally understood the impact of his actions. And you could see that aha moment go off in his head. Then brought him back up and and told him a bunch of good things about, you know, hey, you're on the right track with all this stuff. We just need you to fix this one character flaw and you'll be a stellar sailor. Now, I don't know why it took that uh, for this guy to understand that following basic rules and doing what you're told without question sometimes. But you should question uh, some things you get told to do. It took many counselings, many paper counselings, a pre-pre-DRB with the chief and then a pre-DRB, fake DRB thing with a, a few more chiefs to finally click in this guy's head, hey, maybe I should listen to what my leadership is doing. There are they are only looking out for me. They're only trying to help the overall scheme of things because it's not, it's never about just one person. 
it's ultimately about the patients in our point of view. And he came out a changed man. I don't know why, but he finally came out a changed man. And we were all happy about it. Now, I say that because months went by and we had no hiccups. So it makes you think, like, uh, what, what, what can we learn from this? Well, everybody's different. Everybody has different backgrounds. Everybody is... Not everyone's going to just listen to what you say. Not everyone, not everyone's going to change because you put it on paper. Maybe they don't know the impact of paper. Uh, and I, what I mean is, obviously, I mean a, a counseling shit. Maybe getting scared or maybe having a chief do a scare tactic on you or a deterrent type meeting with you doesn't work. Maybe it takes talking to someone like a human being because maybe we should have thought, hey, this guy is really big on his civilian side of experience. And maybe we should have caught on that maybe he just wanted to be talked like a normal person and not talked down to or at. And that's what I learned. You got to gauge how you approach discipline, course correction, whatever you want to call it, by the person's personality and background. And that really goes back to know your people. And that's the biggest lesson I learned was know your people and know how to interact with them to get them to do what you need them to do for the overall mission. Sometimes I learned the hard way. It was cool to see how we finally found through trial and error how to fix a character flaw. But I wish we never had to go through that. But I'm thankful I went through that experience because it was a great learning experience. Now, I'm, I'm, not, gr- I'm not grateful that that guy had to go through that experience, but maybe he needed to grow up a little bit. Because ultimately, he just didn't like to be told what to do. But he finally figured out he's going to have to be told what to do and do what they say. Because we never told him to do anything that wasn't within parameters. Now, moving on. This guy finally PCS'd, but before he PCS'd, he became one of my best corpsmen in the workspace. Hands down. One of the best corpsmen I had. All the doctors loved him. They always wanted him to be their corpsman because he didn't, he never missed any basic corpsman skills. Never had to go back into a patient's room because he forgot to do something or he forgot to ask a patient a certain question. He's legit a great corpsman with a hint of personal issues that he had to overcome. Now, when he PCSed, he went to Vision, got his FMF pen, promoted, and did good things. Did a couple deployments or whatever. So I like to think... I was a positive impact impact on him, even if we had to go through some rough and wavy waters. But we finally got there. And I still keep up with him to this day. I hope he's still doing good things. Peace out.